Ag State of Mind, episode 114. Hey guys, just a short note from our sponsor. As a pig farmer, you know that sustainability is doing what's right for people, pigs, and the planet. However, doing what's right must be shared with today's savvy consumers to help grow public trust in pig farming while protecting your freedom to operate. To measure and document your farm sustainability efforts, National Pork Board encourages you to create an on-farm sustainability report. These reports can help increase production efficiencies and improve your bottom line. Request your free report at porkcheckoff.org sustainability. Now back to the podcast. Welcome to Ag State of Mind a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello and welcome back to the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today, we are actually going to feature my episode where I was a guest on the Impact Farming Show with my friend, Tracy Brunette. It was a really, really cool experience and I want to make sure and get this episode out to listeners of this podcast because I think some really cool things came out in this podcast and I really enjoyed recording with Tracy, getting to know her face-to-face. It was really, really an enjoyable episode for me. So um, here we go with my podcast interview, Tracy actually interviewing me on the Impact Farming Show. Welcome to Impact Farming, where we introduce you to the people and ideas that will have a massive impact on your farming operation. Brought to you by Farm Marketer. Sit down, start the engine, and let's roll with today's show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Impact Farming Show. Today, I have an awesome guest. I have Jason Meadows joining us. Welcome, Jason. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me here. I'm really excited to chat chat all things, uh, all things involved with what we're doing. All things mental health. Yes. You are my Instagram buddy. And it's so nice to have you on the show. I know we've chit-chatted, commented on each other's posts. So I won't keep you guys in suspense. Jason is the creator and host of the Egg State of Mind podcast. So I'm happy to have him on the show. As part of our ongoing mental health series, I'm taking, as you know, Jason, as you guys know in the audience, I'm taking the better part of September and October to support our mental health as we go through some tough farming years and navigate the crazy pandemic world that we find ourselves in Canada here. So Jason, I'm super excited to have you on the show and I want you to dive in. We're going to talk about your podcast, about who you are, lots of fun stuff. You have a podcast and I won't go into it too deep, but really dedicated to mental health. And that's why I wanted to get you on here and share with our audience, because this conversation is so important on a good year, let alone a bad year, right? So without further ado, Jason, can you tell us a little bit more about your podcast and why? Actually, you know what? Step back. Tell me about you, 
and then go into your podcast and then why you started it. Let's do it that way. So this question always like, I, I read a book last year, that was earlier this year by Brene Brown, uh, The Gift of Imperfection. And in there, she talks about uh, for a long time, she always felt so crazy about this question because she felt like there was so much to her. And instead of like really trying to kind of narrow it down to who she is, she's like, she stops and says, well, how much time do you have? So oh. that's how I always feel about myself when I'm telling to people. So uh, I'm from Cuba, uh, Cuba, Missouri, just a little outside St. Louis. Uh, we, I was born and raised on my father's cow-calf operation. Uh, we're in the Ozarks of Missouri. So when pe- there's two states of Missouri, really, I mean, geographically, there's, there's this northern part, which, we, which is like southern Iowa, you know, prime farm ground. And then there's the southern part of Missouri where I'm from, which is rolling hills, grassland, uh, very just two completely different states called where I live, kind of northern Arkansas. Uh, it's just totally different, two different states, and it's divided at, at, at right in the middle. So we're in the cow country part of the state. Uh, my dad owned the local livestock market for many years. Um, he sold it when I was a kid, but he still had the cow calf operation. Um, but also my part of my family also owned a pharmacy in town. So I worked there throughout high school and decided that was the career path I was going to go down. So I went to pharmacy school. Um, but while I was in pharmacy school, I, I had this like, ye- like yo-yo effect with where I am and who I am. So when I was in pharmacy school, I started my own cow-calf operation. We found a small farm for me to rent just down the road. My dad would take care of the cows during the week. And then I'd come home, I'd work for him, uh, you know, do the whole thing. And so I had started my own herd when I was in college, graduated 2008, moved back home from, I, sorry, I went to college in St. Louis. I don't know if I know if I mentioned that for six years, obtained my doctorate of pharmacy, moved back, worked at a local hospital here, um, just same place where I work now. Um, so there I met my wife, my wife, she was not, obviously not my wife yet, but she had just graduated from nursing school as well. So we met there while we were, uh, both, you know, young in our careers and, um, Fast forward to today, we live on a farm together. Um, we, I still work at the hospital. She actually is, she was, she was a nurse there until last year when she totally stepped away from it. She actually opened her own yoga studio this past year, uh, at the beginning of this year. Um, and, uh, you know, now we have four boys and uh, life's just crazy. And as you mentioned, I, in 2019, I started uh Uh, my podcast, the Ag State of Mind podcast, because I found that I had struggled with my mental health and I had gotten better, right? Um, So I knew that there had to be other people who struggled like me, but had that wanted to get better, but didn't know necessarily know how. And I felt like I had an obligation understanding things from so many different angles, from a healthcare angle, from an agriculture angle, like you, you've talked about with previous guests, people don't always want to listen to it in agriculture. If it isn't coming from somebody who understands the lifestyle. So I felt like I had a very important part to play in that. Um, So, and then, you know, having the struggles myself and being able to, you know, really have this unique point of view. Um, and I felt like I, ha- I served a little bit bigger purpose, right. And people n- 
I felt like I had a message to share and I, I had no idea what it would take to start a podcast. I had, I didn't know. I, I barely knew what zoom was. I mean, that's hilarious now, you know, and we're in this pandemic world where uh, everything is zoom is like a, just another part of our vernacular now, right? Like everybody knows what it is, but very few people knew what it was back then, sure. um, which, which is hilarious. But uh but, you know, so I, I started out, I got some help from some really, really great people um, to help me start my podcast. And here we are uh, almost two years later. I'm not sure when this will come out, but uh, as of September 30th, it'll be a two year anniversary of the podcast. And we're, you know, a hundred plus episodes in and, you know, I don't, I still have a backlog of people who I've wanted to talk to from the very beginning that I haven't had a chance to because of just so many, so many great people that want to chat. Yeah. Well, kudos to you. Thank you. That's a long time. And as you and I both know, it takes a lot of content and a lot of time to put this out. Right. And Mm -hmm. what did I, I read sometime around the beginning of launching this show, most people launch like a podcast. They do about 10 episodes and they hit the wall. Because, you know, at the beginning, it's exciting and new. And then you have that momentum. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. I got to get a guest every week, right? So I totally, I totally expected that to happen. Like I was just, I was ready for that to happen. It's like, all right, this is happening. You know, I I mean, I I wasn't getting my, in fact, I was like, I'm probably just going to create, I think eight was my number. I'm going to have eight because it was like two months, right? And I'm going to. I'm going to start this podcast and see how it goes and see where it goes from there. Well, it just, just absolutely just took off and found so many people with so many interesting stories. Um, And I just, you know, I, I, like I said, I have more than I can handle at the moment. I agree. And you know what? Mental health is so important and we all have mental health. Like we have physical health and it's a sliding scale, right? And in agriculture, there's so much out of your control that mental health becomes a big part of it. So I'm so happy that you're doing what you're doing and kudos to you on the good work. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm curious. I, it's fun. This is actually my first time I think talking to another podcaster. Oh no, I've interviewed one or two, but I want to ask you this. What are some of your biggest lessons that you've learned through your podcasting journey. Oh gosh. Um, okay. The biggest thing is I'm not a schedule person, right? Mm. Like I am fly by the seat of my pants, shoot from the hip. You know, I think we discussed a little bit before. I, I don't really even prepare like an outline before podcast. I did at the beginning, but now I'm just like, let's roll with it, you know? Um, but getting a little bit organized, um, that was a really hard lesson for me to really, and I didn't really, I don't think I really, um, cause my wife, she's super organized and she's like, you've got to get better organized to get this going. If you're ever going to make this work. And I think I really took that to heart and, um, made, uh, scheduling and things, making my scheduling easier, uh, getting out ahead of things. Um, I think that's probably like, as far as like the b- biggest advice I could give to someone who wants to start a podcast is get really 
front load it, get it really organized in the beginning, especially your schedule with when you're going to record with whom you're going to record, because let's face it, people have busy schedules. We know that. I mean, people are busy. I'm busy. I know I'm busy if it wasn't for the podcast. And so adding the podcast on it, you know, doing a lot of work beforehand uh, makes it flow a lot easier. Amen to that. You know, I'm a fairly organized person, but even it just takes so much planning. And then you're not even just taking care of your own schedule, right? It's like, okay, I need episodes here, but you need to get ahead of it for the other people too. So all of a sudden you might come to this point and you're like, oh my gosh, I need more episodes. And you can't just say, Hey, Jason, you want to talk tomorrow? Not many people are many good people with short notice. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it's funny. It's like you could have called me as long as I didn't have, which that's crazy. I always have something going on. Um, but like I'm I'm OK with the OK, I can just talk whenever thing like I, I don't have to have. But most people I've realized most people aren't like me. Most right. people are very like and I've offered like for people to come on the podcast and they're like, I don't think I can do that, you know, or like, yeah, they're like, I I don't think I'm ready for that. And, you know, I find that really interesting because, um, you know, you're just two people having a conversation and it just happens to be recorded. So I, 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 but I've learned to be very graceful with other people, like learning that not everybody functions like I do. I think that's a big part too, you know. I hear you. I have, for the most part, I interview a lot of people that are consultants and speakers. So it's easy, right? And they can go with the flow for the most part. I know once or twice people maybe more professional where they have finally just admitted that they were super nervous. Like they said, Mm -hmm. yes. And then, well, back in the days before pandemic, we were sitting beside each other. And then they finally, they're like, I'm so nervous. I'm like, don't be, we're two friends having a conversation. Sure. And then they kind of relax. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I found that I found that once people get into the conversation, they're like, oh, this is great. You know, this is, you know, so but I think like get get uh, getting over that hump for a lot of people is really scary. Okay, I am throwing you a left curve here just because we're talking about personalities. And I know, you know, we're Instagram buddies and I scroll your feed and I see the highlights, but I don't necessarily read the details. I love your life and your wife looks amazing. Your boys look fantastic. I see you talking about the Enneagram. Yeah. Okay. So hold on. We, we got to go here really quick. Okay. Now that we're talking okay. about personalities. So I actually, I'm totally into self-help into mm-hmm. all the personality types of all crazy things. I haven't done the Enneagram until about two months ago. Really? I finally did it. And it actually gave me a few light bulb moments. Uh You know, you think you know yourself pretty well based on disc assessment and just learned experience. Right. And then I did the Enneagram. Oh my gosh. It answered some really core things in my life. Like why am I like this? Right. So I'm curious, what is your Enneagram number? I'm a three, like through and through. I'm a three. Like if you can, I'm the, uh, explain the three. Okay. Three is okay. A three is someone who does a lot of things to impress a lot of people. Okay. Okay. That's my main, my main motivation. And this is super hard for me as a male guy, 
it, to really admit in that like a lot of my motivation comes from impressing other people. Okay. And one time I read like Western culture, especially the States is like for, for an Enneagram three, it's like you move an alcoholic to the, to an apartment above a saloon, like oh. that, like you, like yes. everything about American culture uh, is yes. about putting yourself out there. I mean, Instagram, all these things, yes. you know, about okay. improving or impressing other people. And man, when I read that, like, and it's like, I don't want that to be me. Like, I don't want that to be me, but it is, you know, I think that's really, that's the, really the difference in, um, the difference in the Enneagram versus very other uh, personality tests is um, other personality tests kind of tell you your traits, whereas the Enneagram kind of tells you your motivations behind what you do. Mm, yeah. Interesting. And, you know, it's I always say there's no bad or wrong personality. No. What you think might be bad, impressing people, makes you fantastic at communicating and putting yourself out there on social media, right? When I said that, I'm like, that's why Jason is so good on social media. Look at me. I barely, if you go on my Instagram post, I'm, I don't know, I'm a weird sort of, I'm not introverted at all, but I wish I had more of what you have. (laughs) Yeah, you know, but like, I'm not very self-protective either. Like, so like I can put my, are you a six? I'm an eight. Oh, you're an eight. Interesting. Eights are interesting. Yeah. The the eights are very interesting because they are like the, they're the confrontational ones. They're the ones that are going to go out and, you know, they'll make things right. And I wish I had more of that as I don't have that. I don't have the ability to go in and have a conflict with somebody. Like I don't, I don't want there to be a conflict. I want everybody to get along, you know, um, I can in now, but also I understand that like I can pull some of that. I understand that that makes you great. And I can maybe, um, I can try to emulate that a little bit, um, and understand that that's something that's a weakness or not a weakness that I don't think it's necessarily a weakness, but it's not, it's definitely not a strength, right. For me. Um, so trying to, feed and pull off of that so my wife she is six and six are the like the loyalists they're the protectors Mm -hmm. uh, of themselves so like she i go out there and i do all these crazy things i think of zero consequences because of it because i'm like i need to do all this because i need to whatever yeah impress the people and she's like yeah but like that kind of like hurts her safety you know that's her like she always is like the worst case scenario Uh, she always sees the worst case scenario in any sort of kind of thing and you know when we took it we took it together um and she it's been one of the most impactful things for our marriage because we we understand one another so much better. Now that was about a lot. We had a lot of fights because we didn't understand one another because we were so different. Um, But now that we see one another's motivation, you know, uh, it, it, it's helped kind of, you know, clear the air a little bit. Yeah. You know, it has, I thought I'm like, okay, I was working with a gal, Louise, I'm actually going to have her on the show. I'm like, yeah, okay. It's time for the Enneagram in my life. I'm like, okay, whatever. One more personality test, right? You know, it's kind of a little bit. And again, but also eager because I love learning, but I wasn't expecting it to knock my socks off. And my husband, he's not into any of this, 
but I grabbed the book and then started reading what I thought he was. He was pretty easy to diagnose, assess, whatever you want to call it. And he's like, yeah, that is me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even we've been together 23, many, many years and Mm -hmm. I know him well, but reading through that, I went, oh, that's why you're like that. I kind of got it but I didn't get it Yeah, after 23 years. Right. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, it was, we'd been married probably almost 10 years when we, and like now, like it just like, it, it just, I mean, I don't necessarily understand her, uh, right. but like I can like, well, it's just, uh, but I can understand that. I don't understand her. Like, just like yes. she's different. And I just have to be okay with that sometimes. Yeah. A lot, even again, 23 years or whatever we are now, I'm like, oh, right. That's why he's being that (laughs) before I'd be, why the, what is wrong with him? Right. (laughs) Now it's like, oh yeah, I get that. That's just not his DNA. But anyways, I, I know you've touched on it. And, um, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, time out here and I'm gonna push up. There's a podcast that has just come out talking all about the Enneagram and in ag. Okay. Uh, it's called the type it out podcast. It's with Taryn drilling and oh goodness. I don't know. I don't know her co-host name. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but they just started. And uh, it's called the type it out podcast talking all about the Enneagram and ag. And they're talking to each individual type. Their first episode was actually with an eight and her name uh, with Allie Kelly. Um, and I found it, it was just, you know, I, I am at the point where I enjoy all parts of it. Right. Um, because I have been kind of studying it off and on for the last few years. Um, so I find it very. So if, if people are more interested about the, finding out the Enneagram, how it can help people in agriculture, I will. I point everyone to that podcast, the Type It Out podcast. Type it out. OK, I'll mm-hmm. check it out. And, you know, uh, one last point on that. I didn't even plan on going here, but don't you think we should learn this stuff in school? Or at least like, uh, you know, when you school, school would be the place for a parent to teach your kids, but definitely before you get married, I, I, when I, gosh, yeah. yeah, Right. When I went through that with Anthony after 20 some years, I'm like, how am I only figuring this out now? Right. Do you imagine had we got that when we first got married, when we first started dating? Oh my gosh. So much avoided, like, yeah. and I do, I think it should be something that every, like uh, every married couple should take together because it, it just, it helps me understand Carrie and helps, helps her understand me a little bit more. And, you know, and you know, what's really cool now is we got our oldest son to take it. Oh, cool. And, and like, yeah. and we, we knew what he was. We knew okay. he was a seven. Like we could both like the way he's the sevens are the people who like, they want to do everything because so on the surface, a seven and a three look very same, Okay. but, but their motivations are different. Okay. I want to do it for everybody else. Seven, Levi, he wants to do it for himself. Okay. He doesn't want to miss out on the experiences. Huh. It's super interesting. You can go all day long. Like yeah. I'm, in the, I'm in the Dunning-Kruger effect on it where I, you know, I just now, un, like I'm at the point where I understand realize I don't understand it at all (laughs) where I thought I was at the top you know and you drop off when you start learning more and realize you just there's so much more to learn so true and you know I don't have children so I don't even think of it that way so 
for your marriage. And then as parents, oh my gosh, to know that about your kid, you could just yeah. totally adjust how you parent. If, if you're we do. There, and we have, right? we have talked, like we've talked about like, oh, you know, Levi is a seven. So like we have to, you know, we have to kind of like, let him have the experiences and figure it out for himself. You know, even though we kind of know what's going to happen, um, he's got to figure it out for himself. So it's, it's yeah. fun. It's interesting. Okay, cool. That was an excellent rabbit trail that I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love so it. good. Okay. I want to get back to your podcast and sure. I asked you one of the most important things you've learned. What has surprised you? frustrated you, encouraged you, pick any one of those about podcasting, whether it's the people, the journey or mental health, go wherever you want to go with that. So I think, and you touched on this, and this is always the thing I want to talk about is uh, people, we all have mental health. You know, and I think when I started this podcast, I thought I was going to be talking about depression, anxiety, you know, uh, the mental disorders yeah. with people. But then I got, I heard really, really early on, like mental health is something that is like on a spectrum. Yes. Uh, we know we can exist at, at any part of that spectrum at any time. Um, and I, that really changed the way and changed my podcast so much. Like I, and that was my, I was genu genuinely concerned about running out of content because mm -hmm. I didn't want to get stale. I didn't want to get boring. Um, but like, Honestly, you can make anything about mental health. You can make anything like it, it's, it's so amazing how I'm able to see the world from totally different lens now uh, because of this podcast. I'm able to see things, you know, how, oh, how might somebody be thinking in this situation? Or, you know, I didn't necessarily think of the mental constraints uh, that a drought might put on somebody. Like, I didn't even think about that. All I saw were the financial things. Um, you know, so obviously this year, that's like, man, I really want, I worry about how those people are doing in a drought, you know, because I've known what a drought has been like. We had an awful drought in 2012. Um, so I know what that feels like. I've seen people have to sell cows because of a drought and it's a terrible, terrible feeling. Um, but like being able to like be totally okay with addressing that and being like out in front of it because I can take it, you know, like I can, I can be the person who goes out and talks about these things. Um, so other people may not have to, and that's another really, really cool thing about my podcast. And somebody actually came up to me, a friend of mine, uh, we were actually sitting in line. Well, uh, I'll, I'll say, I won't say who he was, but we were sitting in line at our, uh, weigh in for our County fair steers not this past year, but the year before. Um, and he said, you know, I, I love listening to your podcast because I can go through all these things in my mind. I can hear you say the things and it just, nobody has to know about it. It's mm. super like safe for him. He doesn't have to like tell everybody what he's going through. Um, you know, that's, he's at that point. And obviously I want, I recommend anybody talk to someone, but if it's a good place for you to start a podcast is it is like the most safest, easiest place for people to do. Cause nobody has to know that you're listening to it, but you. Yes. You know, that's funny. That's that angle is why I started my podcast and mm -hmm. where I, where 
podcasting changed my life. I'm an entrepreneur times two, right? Mm -hmm. So when you are in business for yourself, it's tough. It's, I mean, there's a lot of worry, a lot of strain, there's financial, there's, there's so much to it. Right. And in the early years, I'm like, oh my gosh, why do I feel fear? I mean, you're trying to build a business and revenue and grow, grow, grow. I'm like, why do I feel fear about this? And I'm like, oh, I'm the only one that feels this, right? That's what I thought. And then I started listening to all these fantastic entrepreneurship podcasts. Mm -hmm. And then they started just little drips. Oh, Tony Robbins feels fear. So and so, oh, I'm not alone. There's not something wrong with me. Right. Yeah, so I could yeah. see where somebody would listen to a mental health podcast and go, oh, what, what yeah. I feel is normal. Right. Yeah. And then that's just that when you can hear somebody talk about something hard and you can relate and that feeling of I'm yes. not alone or there's yes. not something broken or wrong with me right there. Like even I can feel that feeling like, oh, right. So I can imagine listeners to your show go, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've gotten so many messages just about that same thing. Like, oh man, I've related so. And it's funny; it's different people relate to different podcasts more. And yeah. you know, it's, it's it's what's really funny is like I'll be like, I don't know, are people really going to enjoy this one? Um, but then they're like, I get the mess. Those are the ones that seem to get the most response. And it's just so funny to me. Like, um, and again, it just goes to show that everybody relates to something different because uh, we're all different. And it's, uh, it's really, really cool to see um, how, you know, you can impact people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just had that same moment too. My show, the Impact Farming Show is mainly geared towards business content, right? Sure, sure. I kind of do three pillars, but I tend to bring in a lot of mental health because one, if the farmer isn't healthy physically or mentally, how's the business going to do? And you know what? I have the platform access to the guests. It's important to me. I want to spread the word, but every once in a while I go, okay, well, my show's not mental health. Should I go there? Will people want to hear? And guess what? Every time I do, I'm a few episodes in, those are some of my most popular episodes. Yeah. So, and I always talked about this and my friend, Aiden Sutter, who I'm not sure if you've been con uh, connected with her, she's not on Instagram, um, but you, it's somebody you definitely should be connected to. She mentioned to me one time about when you change your shift, the shift of how you think about this, you, the farmer has to start seeing themselves as an asset. Mm -hmm. uh, much as they would a piece of equipment or a piece of land or uh, whatever. Um, you know, you, you have a herd of cows, you vaccinate them. You have a health protocol. Uh, piece of machinery, you change the oil. You, you know, you grease it, all the things. I mean, that's kind of what mental health talking about it is for the farmer. Like, it's, 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 greasing the joints it's vaccinating the herd i mean that's what that same sort of logic applies to the most important asset which is the human asset amen i say that to my husband all the time i said you're the farmer take care of yourself because yep. if you're not here we don't have a farm right yeah yeah and that's like and i think it's so hard because so many farmers are so unselfish and that's a good thing, right? Um, but we have to start like 
you have to start shifting that paradigm a little bit and helping them to understand that you're not being selfish when you take care of yourself. I mean, that's the least selfish thing you do because if you take better care of yourself, then you show up for every part of your life, your business, your family, uh, you know, whatever you do in life, you're, if you, if you are your best self, you're going to be, make all those things that much better. Amen. I learned that a long time ago. And I think farmers, women have problems with this, right? Everybody has problems, but if you don't feel the best on the inside, how do you give the best? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. I know as soon as I'm tired, if I'm pushing myself too hard, I need to sure. recharge. Otherwise I can't right. give and do well. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Farmers do need to learn that. <laughs> they do. And you know, I mean, I've seen it and I know it, I've lived it. Um, you know, I've seen my dad, but you know, love my dad he's 85. Um, but man, I've just seen him. I never knew we were having tough times. I know we were now looking back, but I never knew we were. And, you know, and that's, there's something to be said for that. You know, I thought our my childhood was great because it was, um, but, you know, I never saw the struggles and I think people are a lot more comfortable with their own struggles if they see other people struggling, but also, you know, taking the time to take themselves away from it every once in a while. Um, you know, I even, I remember my dad, we used to show horses, uh, I never showed horses very much, but the rest of my family did. I, they kind of got out of it. I'm the baby of the family, and they kind of got out of it when I was grown, old enough. Um, I just remember, you know, it's so funny now thinking back, but I remember my dad always being on pay phones. This was before cell phones, right? My dad would be on pay phones running business, you know, because he had he had a sale barn back home that yeah. he had to take calls yeah. on and stuff. And it's just, uh, you know, he never left work behind. And I... I found it very important to, to make sure that I do that. Nice. Wise words. Okay. Should we switch gears? I am curious and I don't know if I would want to answer this because I don't like to play favorites because I love all my episodes, but has there been any episode that has just like hit you in the gut? Just so got you. It's funny. There's several. Um, and I, Oh, I answer differently every time uh because everyone has affected me i've had i've never came away from a podcast and been like i wish i wouldn't have recorded that every single every single podcast has had an impact on me but the one that's on the top of my brain right now is with one of my greatest friends in the world now we've never met in real life um but He's just such an incredible friend. I'm sorry. I'm gosh, I'm getting emotional. I don't even know where this is coming from. Uh, it's my buddy, Nathan Brown. Uh, he's a farmer in Ohio, uh, you know, and a mental health advocate. And the guy just does so much for so many people. And I, you know, he's changed me and his story. I, I, I can't, I, I just, I, I encourage you, if you're not going to go listen to any of my podcasts right now, go listen to episode 48 with Nathan Brown, because it'll change, it'll change the way you see things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's funny. I remember sitting down recording and uh, I was like, all right, we were wrapping up the episode and he was like, oh, that's it. You know, like it, it went so fast with him. Yeah. And 
Um, he's just got such an incredible story. And, you know, every single person I've talked to, though, has an incredible story. Um, somebody I actually just I had Addie Yoder on the podcast. She was episode 100 just a couple of weeks ago. And she said one time she was talking to Rob Sharkey about, um, you know, how do you find so many interesting people? And he's like, no, no, it's not that I find interesting people. It's that everybody is interesting. Everybody has something to offer. And I, I just am so fortunate to be able to find so many great people uh, that, and like I said, I've made connections with, I, you know, I count you as a friend. I count Nathan as a friend. Yeah. We're friends. You know, we haven't met in real life and that's just kind of the different, but that's, that's great. The world that we live in that we are able to connect with people who we would have never had the chance to connect to otherwise. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, that's, that one right now is the one that's really, really hitting home for me um, because I was thinking about that earlier. And, uh, you know, Nathan's the one who's coming to the top of my head. Hmm. Lovely. And you know what? Everybody does have their own story and yeah. agriculture is just a great community. So for sure. Yeah. I agree. And Rob Sharkey, he's awesome. I had, oh, he's like the, the he's like the Joe Rogan. Yeah, he is. He's good. I had him on the show and I gave him, I gave him the gears. <laughs> we were just having a, well, he was up in egg days in Brandon, Manitoba here uh-huh. he was in a booth and I interviewed him. So we had a good time. Awesome. Yeah. We used to, Anthony and I, we used to be outfitters. We'd take Americans waterfowl hunting. Oh, wow. How I discovered that I had that in common with. Right. And then we, yeah padded shop a little bit on that so he's a great guy so it's so funny he's just over the river he's probably i'd say he's probably about three hours from me but okay. the la- the landscape of where he lives is so much different really I mean, it's flat corn country sea for miles i just i don't think of deer hunting when i think of where he lives mm-hmm. where i live i think about deer hunting it's woods it's hills it's you know it's i i feel it's more wild here um you know, it's just so I just I find it funny that like, but I mean, you know, I know that they grow big deer in corn country. You know, they yeah. grow a lot bigger deer than we do. Uh, it's just funny. It's funny how different things can be, even when they're relatively close. That's neat. I didn't realize you live so close. to. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Yes. And the deer love the corn. I yep. can attest to it. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> we go into our cornfield. We do one cornfield and like there's just rings eaten out and then the side of the crop field <laughs> cob missing it's funny it's actually quite hilarious it's annoying but hey, right they gotta eat right sure yeah, yeah yeah cool okay so thank you for sharing that i am curious i want to kind of ebb and flow and switch gears again you chat with a lot of people about mental mm-hmm. health it's yeah. very important to you you're in the health care profession in an ideal world. I have some thoughts about this once in a while in an ideal world, what would you like to see in place? And again, I'm going to leave this open-ended in terms of education, support, whatever you want to do to create and support people in agriculture, even outside about mental health. What do you, what do you think we need we need to start like we need to start at the grassroots we need to go down to the bottom um all the most influential things in history have started with youth um this is a really terrible comparison but it's the one thing that i mean but it it, it does you know the reason 
just hear me out on this one. The reason yeah. Hitler was so successful I is because <laughs> because of the Hitler youth. Um, obviously, so many terrible things, but so many of those terrible things that he was able to do was because he had the grips of the youth. Um, we can learn a really important lesson from that. There's not anything useful we can learn from Hitler other than other maybe than that. And that if you can talk to the youth, if we can get the youth talking about mental health, and I think we're starting to, uh, if we can get the youth started talking about mental health, if it starts to become part of more of their uh, vernacular, that's going, it's going to be common for them to talk about it as adults. Um, So, and I've always said my pinnacle of success uh, is if I get to speak at the national FFA convention to all the FFA kids in America, that's what I see. That's like my penultimate goal. And, you know, because I think that's the, that's really where we need, because that we need to start, we need to look at the long term here. And the long term is the, obviously the future and the, the youth is the future. Um, you know, and they're doing, we're doing a better job of that. Um, but, it needs to be, uh, we need to have a concentrated effort there. It's so funny that you said that example of all things. Uh, I don't, that's the only thing I, it's the thing that came to my head. I was Um, wondering if that's where you're going to go, I think. And I mean, I'm not going to go here very much because now we can get a little political and all of that stuff. But right now in Canada and some of the stuff that's going on, you ask many of the people living here, we're not feeling so great about freedoms. Hey, some people aren't even concerned, but you hit the nail on the head. The education needs to start with the kids because actually a lot of them say many of them haven't even learned about the Holocaust, but I mean, I digress here, but that's exactly, if you don't get the kids and build that knowledge, same with agriculture, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why, that's what I don't. Do you guys have FFA in in Canada? Four H, very yeah, four H, which is yeah. very similar. I mean, we I grew up. I didn't actually. I was in four H, not FFA, when I was growing up, and it's the okay. same sort of thing. You know, getting these programs, getting these kids through FFA and four H, uh, to where it's you know it just it's part of the it's part of the curriculum. Um, you know, I think that's a really important place to start. Hey, question for you, and I'm familiar with FFA, but not very not to the full extent we don't have that here here is that in the school system or is it like 4-h like a standalone community program no it's it's in the high school oh it is okay it's part of yeah yeah it really is and that's why um so from down here ffa kind of wields a little more power uh because it's it's part of their uh it's part of their school curriculum probably decided on by state not all states i don't know right i think all states have them i think all states have yeah i even think puerto rico has it too wow see reach i love it i'm a big advocate i mean my ability to speak in public so many things scholarships like 4-h has done so well for me um and i love the program but the downfall of that is it's a community program yeah. In rural communities. So right. the ones that are joining are the ones that already know ish. No, about, you're right. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I know people and it's different from state to state. So I, um, 
So everything 4-H around where I live is um, centered around livestock, okay? Because that's what we do. Not much outside of that. Everything, it's you show your animals at the fair, and that's pretty much what 4-H is. Now, I have some people who moved down here from North Dakota, and they're like, they wanted to be involved in 4-H, but the things they were doing in North Dakota we weren't really doing here. So, and they weren't really part, he's a, we have a university just down the road um, and he was a professor there. So they weren't really technically a part. It's in Rolla, which to me, I think Rolla is a big town. It's like 20,000 people. I know it's not a big town, but to me it is, I don't know. uh, But uh, you know, so like, but there is, you can be you can feel disconnected from the rural community in a town that size where in cuba that's not so much the case where i live i live in cuba so you know it's it's it you're you're right uh ffa or i'm sorry 4-h is more of a um decentralized type program where like each individual chapter is so much different yeah and it's great don't get me wrong i love oh yeah But we do also up here, we have a program called Egg in the Classroom. It's an organization in the brain agriculture. And and that's growing in momentum, too. I don't think it's in all schools. I'm not sure on their progress. But, yeah, that's neat that FFA is part of the curriculum. Because look where we're at right now. We have people that (laughs) are 98% of the population don't farm. We know that 2% are farmers. So when 98 of our customers, 98% of our customers don't have a hot clue and they think a steak gets on the shelf by growing on the shelf. I I don't know. Uh, And I I, don't know the whole process. No, that's dangerous. And that is dangerous. And that's, that's why we have so much uh, disinformation out there is because people are so, uh, you know, and this is a two-way street. We have to be more open ourselves too. Um, But it, we, we need to open those lines the communication between producer and up. And again, I think we got to start with the youth. You know, uh, we need to do it in the classrooms. We need to have more education of young people before they get disinformation. Amen. I agree. Okay. That's fantastic. I like that. So start your biggest thing to change mental health would be start with the youth. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. I agree wholeheartedly. Okay. So I want to do something a little bit different. I'm excited to do this format. I want to ask you a few kind of rapid fire, whatever, some quick questions about some random stuff. There's never a quick question with me. I'm sorry. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great conversation. I'm so long winded and I'm sorry. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. So, okay. Here is, I'm a reader. I love okay. books. Like I'm addicted. If I would say I have an addiction in life, it would be books. Oh, so you and Carrie are the same way. Carrie reads probably 20 books a month. It's crazy. It's, it, mm, mm, oh, that's all I can say. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I feel about books. Mm. So I want to ask you, I assume you're a reader. Are you a reader? Um, if- I am a audiobook reader, okay. I'm, which counts. I was going to say, if you don't have a book in mind, I want to know a book that has changed your life. Well, I definitely have that. And that's uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Oh, okay. Have you you read it? Have you heard of it? I have watched YouTube videos with him in it. He's incredible. He... (laughs) 
if I had to say, if, you know, if I had to say there was one book that changed my life, that book changed my life. Totally changed the way I see the world. Totally, not necessarily see the world, totally changed the way I saw myself and what was capable, what I was capable of. Um, I, you know, because I saw myself as super busy before, right? Um, And like, I... I totally didn't understand what I was really capable of. I would not, if I would not have read can't hurt me, I would not have had, I don't wouldn't have had a podcast. Um, If I didn't read can't hurt me, I would not run like I run. Um, I would not work out like I work out. Uh, I would not do so many things the way that I do. I wouldn't wake up at four in the morning. I guarantee you that like I do now, if it wasn't for that book. That book totally, like, totally changed my life. Totally changed what I realized, helped me realize what I was capable of. Wow. I have listened to him, seen the book. And again, I'll tell you something funny. Before I do podcasts, <laughs> you know, you'll laugh. Before I do podcasts or if I'm traveling and going into sales meetings, it's important to be in a happy demeanor, right? Like I like being mentally up and excited. Sure. I actually turn on YouTube videos, Motiversity and different channels, motivation. And they have like these hardcore, it's mainly men. And David Coggins is usually one of the voices and he's just yelling. And (laughs) it's like, yes, drill sergeant. I know. I mean, and it like, it just, just to hear the things that he went through and still perform the ways that he's been able to perform and do the things that he's been able to do. I mean, it's just like, well, I mean, he can do all that. I can surely do this. You know what I mean? So like, it just totally, totally changed the trajectory of my life. Totally. You know, I think I might take that recommendation. I'm in a, you heard where we're at here in Canada and our pandemic and things going on. And just personally in life, sometimes you just need, and again, motivation's internal, but books stimulate mm-hmm. that and give sure. you those ideas. But I'm at a point where I just need to pivot and mm-hmm. work on resiliency, which I have a lot of, but we all need more of it. I'm almost wondering if that's that- the book for you. Like mm-hmm. it is like it totally, totally changed me. Totally. I was thinking about it today, how much that book I've, I've read it. So I rec- I actually do recommend getting the audio book because I've got it. I've got it both the print form and audio book. Um, I recommend the audio book because he gives like, it's more, he gives like little inter chapter, like chats okay. um, with the, uh, with the, uh, with another guy. So it's like a podcast within the audiobook, like several different little ones, like giving you backstories, more backstory of the sto- backstory. Oh, interesting. Super interesting. Like it's like, and again, I, it makes, I'm, I'll probably listen to it this year again before the year's over because it's been that important to me. Hmm. You know, I think after we're done this, <laughs> now I'm going to rush you. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I understand. Sorry. I want to, I think I have a new book on Audible, my subscription. I think I have a credit. I'm going to download that right away because, yeah, I think that's just something that could give me that next little bit for this next stage in life. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great, it's like I said, if you're in the position where you're looking at yourself at a transition type period, um, it's, it's absolutely the book for you. Hmm. Fantastic. Thank you. Ooh, I, I'm so glad I asked. See, I told you there's no such thing as a short answer. Oh, no, I love it. This is great. <laughs> so second question, I'm always curious people in their lived experience and like just that book answer that you gave. That's so cool, right? It, what's impacted you. So I want to go a little bit different and lived experience and advice. What is the best advice you have received in life? So it's probably will not be what you're expecting. And I thought about this too. This is always, you know, my dad's talked so much to me. My dad's taught me so much. And, um, you know, just through his lived experience, I've learned so much. Um, I remember this. This is so like specific, but he was talking one time, uh, you know, like, like any community, there's a place where all the farmers go and drink coffee in the mornings. You know, it's, it's we're actually our place is a truck stop. There's a truck stop in Cuba and they go out in there and drink coffee in the morning. And, you know, all the, he said one day, all the guys were in there, the older guys were complaining. I was, I just happened to be with him that day. I think I was in college or maybe high school. I don't remember. Um, but he's all the guys in there were talking about how much money their wives would spend at like the beauty shop or on makeup or, whatever you know um then my dad you know my dad and i were in the truck later you know after and he said you know all those guys talking about all that complaining so much about how much their wives spend on themselves and i was like i will never complain about my wife spending that money on herself to keep herself you know very careful like looking good but i mean right keep up like you know, because that's important because I think people do tend to sometimes it goes back to that whole self-care thing and let themselves kind of drift a little. And he, he told me, my mom and dad have been together for 60 plus years now. And one of the key things he said is, you know, keep her, keep her happy, keep her beautiful. And if you see my mom, my mom's in her eighties too. And she's still, I mean, she is, she's beautiful. And, um, you know, I was, as far as a married man, that's like when, as far as lessons passed down that I will make sure and pass down to my sons. Cause I have four of them. That's, that's definitely at the top of the list. Don't ever complain about that because it's, it's so important to, for, and not just, not just the woman, but the man too, to, you know, take care of yourself because you want to be there for that other person. That's mm-hmm. what a relationship is. Nice. I did not expect that, but that's fantastic. You know, that goes back to that self-care, right? And exactly that happens in life and we get busy. But if your wife has taken the time to take care of herself and look good and Mm -hmm. feel good, right? If you don't feel good inside, you're not. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know, and, and, and men and women outside, but right. If you take care of yourself on the outside and you spend time on you on the outside, you feel good on the inside and 100%. then that radiates right back out, doesn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, I, and I, I remember telling Carrie that when we first got married and <laughs> she's taken it to heart. <laughs> Aw, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things I, I wanted to mention to you, I really do admire you. And I didn't say that before. I'm going to say it now. Well, thank you. 
I do admire you. And I think you are, I don't know you that well. I would consider you a friend from Instagram, but it just seems like you walk with so much integrity and put so much thought and effort into your wife and kids and the farm. I just really enjoy watching you. Well, thank you. I, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to share all the things, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's, oh, do people really care? Um, but it's nice to know that people do care um, because I do put a lot of intent in it and, um, you know, and it's not fake. I mean, everything like I, I hope that I'm the same person that I would seem to be online that I am in person. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I have many flaws, but one of those is not disingenuous, not being disingenuous. I'm, I yeah. am sometimes genuine to a fault. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in that. You know what? And again, this is our first time chatting in person, but you are exactly what you are on social media. Again, to hear to real life might be different, but here's the thing. I just have a, I have a bulletproof radar for people and I can tell that the way you are on social media to hear, to hear is just totally genuine. And it's cool. I do want, I I really respect your journey and the way you nurture your wife and everything in your life. So really cool. Kudos to you. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. So that was best advice. And that was lovely. It it seems like your dad has been yeah. Big influence. He's huge. He's huge. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool to have a great example like that too. I have an amazing parents. I'm so lucky as well. Now let's flip that. You have lived X many years on this earth. You have done all these things. You talk to all these people. You let's pretend you are 120 because by the time hopefully we get to the point where we're passing on, we're 120. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're going to live ripe long lives by that point. So let's assume you are 120 and you have a pen and a paper and you are going to leave some notes for the next generation. And you got to leave like a couple thoughts of the most impactful things you have learned. No pressure. Yeah. Well, first thing, you know, we, we've said it, it's been a recurring theme throughout this is, you know, take care of yourself. You know, there's so many things that we get caught up with busy work on stuff and things that just don't matter. Like really sit down and figure out what matters to you. And you'll be very surprised at like the stuff in your life you can cut out. I used to not think I could live with, I didn't think I could live without college football for a long time like watching it on TV, playing it at one point in my life, um, but then watching college football and I'm finding out it's okay. Like I, we cut off all of our TV and everything's, you know? Um, So like you, if you really sit down and really find out what's really, really important to you, you will make time for that. You will definitely make the time. And Carrie always says like, you can always tell what's important to people because that's what they spend their time and their money. on. So Choose wisely. Choose wisely what you spend both your time and your money on. I've learned it the hard way. Um, yeah. You know, be more. Be more intentional. Yeah. Live every day with intentionality. And I think the to me the definition of hell is you are on your deathbed and you're getting ready 
to meet God. And right before you meet him, you get introduced to somebody and they're a total stranger and you ask them who they are. And they tell you that you, I am who you were supposed to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. I heard that one time and like, you just stopped me in my tracks and like, yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I goof off plenty. Like, and I make, I do some really regretful things, um, but right? yeah, everybody does, you know? So like, but trying to live your life with more intentionality, number one, I don't think there's like really any more profound advice than I can give than that. It's changed me. Living that way has changed me. Wow. Well, you can tell, I mean, it shows through too. And your actions, you're a busy guy. You take care of a lot of people, a lot of things that are important to you. So that's fantastic. Good. I hope that at 120 years old, you are living those words. And I know you will be and meeting that guy and you're going, Hey buddy, that's you. That's me. That's the the hope. Yeah. That's the hope. And I trust you will be. That's awesome. (laughs) Jason, this has been so much fun. So much fun. I'm so happy we took the time to do this. If people want to connect with you and tune into your podcast, download your podcast, how can they connect with you? So uh, I'm at a lot of places. I mean, everything is ag state of mind. I'm all across social media, ag state of mind. Uh, I have a website where sometimes I used to write a lot more blogs. I probably haven't written one in four or five months just because it's just, that's the thing I said was going to fall off first. Um, so I haven't done that, but I writing is my, actually my first love. Like I love to write. I, I am more of a writer than a speaker, believe it or not. Um, so I really enjoy, but, uh, you can find out a links. I have mental health resources on my website, agstateofmind.com. And then you can find my podcast, Ag State of Mind, uh, across wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it's, uh, you know, like I said, we're, uh, as of today, when we're recording this, I just released my 103rd episode. Uh, so uh, we're cruising right along. Nice. That is great. And I'll put links to your show and your website and everything in the show notes as well. So that's awesome. Jason, thank you for the work you do. I know you impact so many. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you you for having me. And I, you know, again, I, one day when the world gets back to normal, you and I are going to meet in real life, right? We will at a farm show somewhere. I'm sure. Sure. Of course. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. I really, I'm sure you are. Yeah. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Hey guys, just a short note from our sponsor as a pig farmer, you know, that sustainability is doing what's right for people, pigs, and the planet. However, doing what's right must be shared with today's savvy consumers to help grow public trust in pig farming while protecting your freedom to operate, to measure and document your farm sustainability efforts national pork board encourages you to create an on-farm sustainability report these reports can help increase production efficiencies and improve your bottom line request your free report at porkcheckoff.org sustainability now back to the podcast thanks for listening to ag state of mind we hope this episode has encouraged you Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AgState of Mind. 
And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week. Thank you.